Grab your black shirts and come join us. We're back for another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. It's season six, episode two. And I think it goes without saying, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched season six, do not listen to this episode. But if you want to watch it and you're not in the UK, go to tryexpressvpn.com slash peaky. Our link is in the show notes. And uh, that's how Josh and I watch it over here in America. And Josh, how happy are we that we are able to watch this before it comes out to Netflix? So happy. So excited about it. Really just there's no better way to watch it than by getting the VPN, getting er getting it early, watching it on BBC. I don't know what I would do if I had to wait. I don't know, what, three extra months if we, if we had to wait? Or four yeah, extra it's months? it's be somewhere between like April and June. You know, they haven't confirmed it yet. But no, we've had like three or four emails just this week. And we're going to go over it all in our mailbag episode later in the week. But people thanking us for, you know, the VPN and, and the ability to watch it and, and everyone giving their opinions and their predictions. And don't forget to send yours in. You know, there are some good. And believe it or not, Josh, there have been some bad um, reactions to this season. I, I'm I'm blasted not us. by it. No, not us. So so send we us your thoughts. Before, but yeah, we 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 couldn't be more pro Anthony Byrne and Stephen Knight at the moment. And we're gonna break down Black Shirt season six episode two. Oh, Josh, I'm so pleased. I don't know about you, but let's just start it off with like a nice round of applause because like this was so well done. There were only ten scenes in the entire episode. And our fans know that that's something that I like to keep kind of track of. Uh, it's it's so so far removed from season five. It's it, you it's can't not even, even close. It. It's not it's not even close. It's a different show. It also makes me appreciate season five a lot more because I don't know if they were if they would be able to, you know, move along so quickly. Obviously they could, but the Oswald Mosley plot really needed that development. I believe in season five, maybe could have done it in like two or three episodes, not six, but it is setting up the ability to not have Oswald in that first episode and just go right out the bat and bring him into episode two of this season. So it makes a lot more sense and it's putting it into perspective as we kind of anticipated that season five would do for season six. So let's start it off with a couple of the broad themes here. And, and I guess first, Josh, I think a lot of your worries were qualmed when we got the politics back here in this episode. It wasn't the entire episode, but you got Tommy talking to the labor union. You have Tommy talking to the House of Representatives. And then, of course, the big Oswald meeting and the big Oswald presentation and the big Oswald and Diana reveal. It. I was kind of annoyed that season five was all politics and it was getting away from Peaky. We got back to it, but it wasn't an overload of it. It was the right amount. It was important to the plot. Tommy obviously has gotten a lot more, you know, fine-tuned with his political speaking. He has a plan. He has a vision. And I mentioned to you, I mean, just the overall theme of the episode is that Tommy's plan right now is so convoluted. It involves politics. It's, it's politically centric. And if one thing goes wrong in his plan, he's fucked. He's absolutely fucked and he's done for. And it's, it's unlike any other plan that he's had. And for every single plan that he's had throughout the seasons, there's always been one wrinkle that has kind of gone wrong, but he's been fine and he's recovered. And now it seems that if one thing goes wrong, it's his ultimate downfall. And I'm really excited to see if he's triumphant or as Polly says, you know, one, one will die between him, him and Michael, which kind of brings us right to the beginning of the episode. It does, because that's the opening line. It's, it's was not, right. Josh called it, Josh said it, he thinks, and so far you're right, right? I mean, you think it's going to be in every episode. Yeah. I love yeah. that thought. I think you're right. I think it's going to rain. We actually heard the line twice in this episode from Polly saying, you know, one of you will die. There will be a war. I just don't know who. And it opens with Tommy getting back to Birmingham. And before we jump into too much of this, Josh, I wanted to kind of bring something up because right now in America, there is this wave of a genre of TV show. And it's, I don't know if you're 100% locked in on this or our listeners are or not, but there are three new shows that have all come out in 2022 and they all kind of follow the theme of somebody who wants to be Bill Gates, Elon Musk, you know, Tim Cook. And, you know, I'm watching the Uber show um, run by Brian Koppelman, the creator of Billions over on Showtime. 
that has Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which is about the CEO of Uber, Travis Kelnick. I'm watching the Theranos show about Elizabeth Holmes Mm -hmm. with Amanda Seyfried over on Hulu called The Dropout. Then there's also the Anna Delvey sensation all going on. And this episode really droned in on me that Tommy Shelby is kind of looking like he wants to be you know, the top of the top CEO, like his plans. And it goes right into what Lizzie says. And she says, you talk as if you're watching everything on the screen and I will be the next item for you. And everything's itemized. And it's so well done by Lizzie to identify that. I just don't necessarily know exactly what Tommy's final plan is, right? Like, does he want to run a country or does he want to run a business? He's got to make a decision, right? Well, I think he wants to, you know, cash the F out as he kind of alludes that it's the last order of business. I don't think that Lizzie really believes that, you know, she wants to get away, go on, go on a mountain in America. It seems like she wants to go on like a prolonged, you know, ski adventure, just like I did in the, well, the West. She, of- she could have, she could have, but Ruby, Ruby's uh, plate got in the way. Right. And so I don't think Lizzie believes anything that Tommy says. Tommy's addicted to the thrill of the pursuit of the next big thing. As you mentioned, it is very, you know, analogous to a lot of things that are going on in in the world today where these, these, these billionaire tycoons are always trying to get the next big thing and they're reaching and reaching, but sometimes they go out of their depth. And I think that that's the, that's the scene. That's the theme of the season along with trust, which we'll get into later is you know, Tommy's really reaching, overreaching and, and going far outside of his depth. He's not the backstreet razor gang leader that he once once was. He's has his hands and his toes dipped into so many different ventures. And that could lead to his downfall. And I think that that's kind of foreshadowing. And all these little Lizzie droplets that she drops in these, in these episodes. First of all, she's very introspective and very smart. I was about to say, was this Lizzie's best episode? Maybe she's, ever. she's brilliant. Like she really is brilliant. She's come a long way from when she once started, you know, she's really, you know, reading the tea leaves. So to say, it's funny because she's not a gypsy and she doesn't believe in the gypsy magic and all that kind of stuff. But in a way she's kind of acting like, you know, how Polly was where she can kind of predict the future and see things. So I think that she's predicting Tommy's downfall a little bit and kind of telling him, you know, just please be careful and watch out. And when he says, this is our last order of business, I just have to take care of one more thing. This is our last thing. And then we'll, and then we'll be on our way to America. And he said that before he said that last season as well. Yeah. It's um, kind of a little Danny ocean, right? You know, like this is my right. last heist. This is going to be the last robbery. This is going to be the last gig. And then we're going to get right. out Italian job style. He's like addicted. Um, He's like literally yeah. addicted to it. He can't help himself. And then in that same vein, he kind of mentioned that he just had only the business to handle with the, with the Americans, but doesn't mention Oswald Mosley's business, which I found very interesting. Right. And it's almost like they're, they're kind of colliding here. And, and I, I think we should talk about the, the, the Lizzie, Tommy, Ruby plot all right now, because it kind of starts with Tommy taking Ruby to the Saint, his own Santorum for sick kids, which we saw him opening back in season three. Tommy's kind of throwing up. And w- we learned that his throw up, I, at first I thought it was because he was worried about Ruby but I think we're learning that it's a lot of withdrawal. The alcohol withdrawal is really starting yeah, a lot, to a lot of relapse. I mean, he obviously relapsed this episode, extended the traumatic, you know, stress disorder of of the war, which we also call. We thought we were gonna get a lot of callbacks to the war, a lot of a PTSD to the war. Amazing job. We'll, we'll get to that scene later on when he has that that crazy scene in the office. But I also was confused. I mean, I thought he was nervous. I didn't know what it meant. But then when you kind of look at it from a 30,000 foot view definitely has to do with just some withdrawal. Yeah. And then at the very end, you know, Ruby at first she's feeling okay. And Lizzie doesn't even feel the need to go to a doctor. And Lizzie even says you came back for nothing, which I circled. I was like, Oh, she definitely came back for something. And that's obviously the Jack and, and Oswald plot. But at the end we see Ruby sitting in front of the fireplace, telling her mom that she hears voices from the gray man who is coming for her and daddy as well. She's coughing up blood. And that's when Tommy makes the call and we get the awesome, awesome final scene, which is what we've been waiting for. I I don't know exactly at what point did I call for Esme to come back. I feel like it was like mid season five where Mm -hmm. I was like, Esme's got to come back and I'm really vindicated for it because- She kept her name too, which was interesting. Yes, right, Shelby Shelby Lee. Yeah, and 
going back to that whole Ruby scene before we get into the Esme thing, it was very horror movie-esque, which we haven't ever yeah, gotten in Peaky Blinders. It was, it was, I mean, you're just a baby and you don't like horror yeah. movies, yeah. but I love that stuff. It was very creepy. First of all, the, the, the child actress of Ruby playing a great, doing a great job of playing like a, a very sick, sickly child who is scared. I don't know who the gray man is. We'll find that out later, but that's pretty freaky. The drawings, I don't know if you noticed the drawing, very creepy. So yes, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just very weird. It's all, it's all creepy. I think it's gotta be the same thing that kind of plagued Tommy's mom. And we can talk more about that. We went deep on that one specific plot line over in our Patreon deep dive last week, where Josh and I are going to go on at the end of every week and just kind of consume all of the, outside noise right this is just our instant reaction without looking at many reviews or a lot of other people's opinions this is just our off-the-cuff consciousness stream but in our patreon we do a little bit more of a research thoroughbred dive speaking of horses we'll talk about that in a second but i think that's what the gray man will simplify we talked about orla mcdonough the announcement that she was going to be added to the cast so it's a new ruby shelby this year as opposed to the uh the little girl that played Tommy's daughter in the previous season. But I think that's, you know, there's still so much to be unknown and we have so much to talk about in this episode. That's the Ruby stuff with Tommy. Oof. You want to get into the two big scenes with, uh, with the seizures? Those were very crazy scenes. I think we're going to get a lot more of that going forward in this season. Amazing acting. The one of him on the ground, I had no idea what was happening. If that was like, was that, PTSD or was that withdrawal or was it both? It's gotta be a it's gotta be a combination. So let's talk about the first one where we we get a wake-up call, literally, and, and Lizzie wakes up to find Tommy. I thought he was on the side of the bed, falling off the bed, but he mentioned that he hasn't gotten any sleep in front of the centaurum. It's a seizure that's Tommy having. Either he was in the bathtub and he falls out of the bathtub, or he was set to go in the bath and he had turned the water on, and you hear the breaths. The, the, the famous Anthony yep. Byrne breaths that we've heard so many times. Yep. He mentioned he had it on the ship on his way back as well. So now that's three seizures for Tommy here in this scope of the season. Ooh, he's, we've seen this scene before, right? Him fighting um, the, the enemy inside the, 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 the mines and underground. And, you know, we've heard the references from Winston Churchill that he might have been on top while Tommy's under... And I think that one was was a wild one for me. But then when he walks into his office and you don't know whether somebody is attacking him or not. And it's like, is it a daydream or did he walk into his office and just get into a fight with himself? I think it's just, a, I think he just fell asleep, right? I think it's a sleep deprivation thing and he hasn't been sleeping. So when he does like fall asleep, exactly. And that's why his assistant was freaking out like, Surely his assistant would have made a bigger deal if Tommy just walked in the room and all of a sudden was wrestling with himself. But there I was, personally thought someone was going to die. There was a moment where I thought I saw blood like going down his like neck. It was. It they was definitely showed it. They showed blood. Yeah, it was very well done to have both scenes going back and forth, where you had you know him him in the tunnels and the the person that he was you know fighting with kind of looked different in both scenes. Like it was yeah, it looked like two. It, Two different people. It was it was really well done. Really good, as I've alluded to in the last episode, very good cinematography, very good directing and acting coinciding with the directing and cinematography. So just a really great scene. And I think that we're going to get a lot more and probably a lot more dark, you know, withdrawal slash PTSD scenes, stuff that we maybe not have seen in the past. We always, we always get these mentions of Tommy being a war hero but we don't know exactly what that moment looked like that made him a war hero. And I think that we're probably going to get that scene or whatever he did. Oh, I really hope so. We've only gotten one real reference to it. And that's that incredible season two finale scene with him and Alfie and Josh yep. and I broke down that episode just a few months ago. So you can kind of scroll back here through the Apple or the, the Google or Spotify, wherever you listen and listen to us break down our favorite episode of all time in Peaky. And I don't know, maybe this season will have something to top it, but Tom Hardy and, and Alfie Solomons does reference like, you know, weren't you in that, weren't you in that regiment that nobody came out alive, right? Like everybody died. Mm -hmm. And Tommy's like, well, I was the only one to survive. So that's the only minor 
tip of the cap that we've gotten to it. But all I know is that we are now officially in a world where we cannot believe what we see completely. Like Stephen Knight and Anthony Byrne have officially taken us into like euphoria where like you have an unreliable narrator because we don't know if a scene is gonna involve Tommy fighting somebody in real life or Tommy fighting a demon inside him. And that's gonna make things a little bit vague and you can't necessarily buy into every scene you see because it's, it's, it's a little bit of uh, magic, some gypsy magic in the, in the air and in the screen. But that's the Tommy um, seizure stuff. Um, let's, let's go right into Tommy at the labor party gathering because that's what the biggest set piece setup was. And I don't know about you, but I noticed there's, there's a finally a line that they are following Tommy seems to go right from the Labor Party gathering to talk to Ada outside, to go talk to Alfie, to go talk, you know what I mean? To go to go to the, the Oswald Mosley thing, to go talk downstairs to Jack. And it's just aligned as opposed to a choppy, you know, scenes by scenes setup like we had last season where we're jumping from the woods to, you know, the Billy Boys to this and we're going all over the place. This felt very in tune Ooh, this conversation. Very, very sequential. Very sequential. Yes. It's not, you know, it's not. The scenes have have a a a synchronization to them almost, as opposed and, to last season. And Killian Murphy does such a good job on stage. He is displaying how beat down and worn down Tommy Shelby is. Right. It almost feels yeah. like a shell of himself is doing this speech, and he's saying all the right words, but I can see there's like not that much emotion coming out of his face. But he's so much more crisp and confident and there's and i i texted you there's like this flare and confidence in his eye about his overall plan you know this this Ooh. season and obviously it has to do it's not it's not by accident it has to do with him being clean of the whiskey although everyone around him seems to think that he's worse off by not drinking whiskey that's another conversation yeah another isn't that isn't that interesting josh like it it's almost feels like ironic. they don't know what to do with themselves when tommy isn't at least just drinking a little bit. And that's, that's such a, right. it's just a, one of those things where you get used to one thing and when that changes, your whole life is uprooted, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and going back to that conversation too, you know, the theme is he says, we're gonna break the damn silence. He wants to build homes for the, under, for, for the underprivileged and the poor. He, he's, he's pushing his socialist agenda. And then we find out later on that he actually wants to, you know, move forward the fascist uh, agenda and, and movement because he has to, you know, be in cahoots with, with everybody. He has so many, he has so many different agendas and different plans with different people that it's hard to find out where he actually wants to go with it. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to drive too much into this, but I'm still holding the, like, I feel like there's a lot of spy elements back in this show with Tommy Definitely. trying to investigate and trying to be his own spy. And then the whole Diana Mitford thing we'll talk about in a half a second here, but I love the reference, all the King's horses and all the King's men. And he kind of gives a wink to the crowd for the old fable. And then Laura McKee walks in, AKA captain swing. And we get our first captain swing scene. That's not a voiceover in this season, mm -hmm. right? We just had a bit of a voiceover last episode. So Arthur shows up. Captain Swing, Arthur, Tommy, and a bodyguard are all chatting, Josh. And you can kind of take over here. I, I think the one thing that I really stood out was when Arthur was like, interrupted her right before she said the killing of Polly. And it was like, you know, in, in our culture, right. we don't mention the name of the dead in company. And also when Tommy said to her, we need you alive, it's exactly what she said about Oswald four years ago. So I liked that little callback. It was a really, first of all, great writing. Tommy says in the Shelby family business, you know, uh, in the Shelby family business comes before missions of vengeance. Our beloved departed would, would have under, understood and approved. So I thought it was a really great line. Another uh, ev uh, evidence of Tommy just dunking on someone else, kind of dunks on Laura McKee a little bit. You know, all the other times that we had seen her, she kind of owned Tommy and owned Michael and was very confident in the way that she, that she spoke. Almost as for the first time, because she met Tommy in person, she kind of felt his aura and his, and his bravado a little bit. And she was like, wow, this guy, Tommy Shelby means business. And she took his deal. And that whole conversation with moral turpitude 
when she asked, you know, what moral turpitude means, that she she kind of thinks he's 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 an idiot in a yeah, fool. Yeah, that was wild to me. And you know what? This the right before we dive into that, Captain Swing did not have confidence in this conversation. She felt nervous the right. whole time, right? And I, it made me feel like the swinging of power was complete. And I don't know why, but I had felt like Tommy was under her thumb for four years. I think exactly. Maybe, I think maybe they just didn't really have a lot of communication for the last couple of years. Well, it was all over a phone. She mentions it the first time they met in person. So it's a lot easier to, you know, swing your dick on, on the phone. Captain when, swing yeah, there you go. Uh, when, <laughs> when you, when you just have, when you're hiding behind a phone and you have all these people behind you, but when it's just her and Tommy Shelby face to face, mind you on his turf in the garrison where he has like this magical power of speaking over him, which is, I don't know if that, that was on purpose. But he really lays it on. And when she says, do you know what moral, you know, you have a reputation of moral turpitude. Do you know what that means? And he goes, yeah, it means you fuck people. You fuck people over. It means you covet and you steal. And you burn all principles for the sake of, of, of your own self-interest. But I'm changing. And my organization is also changing. And at, in that moment, Captain Swing's, you know, tune and, and tone really changes. And she starts to give in to Tommy Shelby. And he asks her to kind of you know handle things in 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 ireland so this is this is the uh it's the one part that like tv shows and movies have to have and it's called uh like expository information when like the audience is being told the plot pretty much but we need it and and so we learn that essentially tommy's plan is to get jack nelson in touch with the fascists which is oswald mosley and to try to connect them so that Tommy can use that leverage to, you know, open up South Boston for his own financial gains in order to sell right. opium. And, and then also get in bed with the fascists so he can kind of break them from below, which is what he said Polly would want. And so this is him telling Laura McKee, a.k.a. Captain Swing, that she is going to be the one to almost woo Jack Nelson and put them in contact. And then he quote, and you will, uh, and you and I will help him. And that's when she says, whoa, I thought you were on the other side of the political spectrum. And Josh, yeah. that's when like a top three line in the history of Peaky Blinders comes out. So good. He says, since I joined politics, I've learned that the line doesn't go from the left to the middle or to the right. It goes in a circle and he takes, you know, he, his water, first of all, another the water is a very, very, you know, big theme of this season. He takes his two fingers in the water, kind of, you know, starts to outline a little oval and they meet right in the middle and he takes another dot of water and he, he, he puts it right in that circle and he goes, that's where I am. Tommy's playing all sides of the spectrum, of the political spectrum. He's right in the middle and he's trying to see which side is easier to play and which side is going to be more advantageous for him to play. And he really you know, shows his, his, his genius and like his overall plan. That's where I, I, I told you he has this confidence and this flair in his eye that we haven't seen since season one, or, I mean, and season two, he was even scared, but right. season one, he had that confidence that nobody could defeat him. I was about to say season two, he's a little more worried because he has emotional connections to grace and that worries him. It almost feels like right now, Tommy does not have any emotional connections that could harness him. I guess like losing Lizzie would be hurtful, but it wouldn't like break him like losing Grace did or losing Polly did or anything like that. It feels like Tommy is so far past repair and he is, he is very broken, but it's interesting. They really do not pull any punches, basically calling an F FDR, uh, you know, borderline Nazi, which yep. to each their own the history books can decide it. But at the, the last line that Tommy says to Captain Swing is that he wants her to get Jack to put a pin on the map of Ireland for the president of the United States. And that mm -hmm. will help fund the IRA, which brings it back to a reason why Captain Swing would want to join forces in this, because obviously she wants financial benefits. And that's what it would be if the, if the United States pairs with Ireland in this fight. Mm -hmm. Clearly, the IRA would be well, well uh, financed, which takes us right. And that's what I love. It takes us right into the next scene, which is the conversation mm -hmm. with Ada and Tommy, because Ada interrupts the conversation with Swing and says that Arthur is, you know, incapacitated with a, a needle by his side. And that's when Ada's like, Tommy, what are you doing? 
right? And she it, takes very much a, an interesting role. She is Polly. She literally is Polly. I'm not going to, you know, pat myself on the back, but I'm going to. <laughs> I called that she's going to turn into Polly and take on that role. And she directly mentions it. And she had a Polly line as if there ever was a Polly line. She says, you're still looking for trouble big enough to kill you. And if you can <laughs> just right. picture Helen Mercury, you know, uttering those words to Tommy, you know, in her soft, you know, you know, grungy voice. That was exactly what Ada did, saying, Tommy, what are you doing? You're out of your depth. You're dealing with the fascists. You're dealing, you're, you're, you're pushing the socialist agenda. Now you're trying to deal with the, with, with the IRA and the Irish, and you're dealing with Fed, uh, FDR and Jack. Like, like you're, you're, you have seven different strings that, that, that you're tied to. You're, you're like a puppet. But Tommy you know, assures her, by working with the fascists, I can undermine them. And that pushes reassurance to the audience that Tommy has no business in actually aligning with the fascist agenda, but it's all to just, you know, break, break them down, build them up, and then just destroy them when they're at their most vulnerable. And when they think that he's at their side the most, and that's his plan. And he assures her that, and she's still a little worried, but that was the point of that scene was to show that Ada is on the Paul role. And she even says, you know, I'm not you, Tommy, and I'm also not Polly. Like, that's not, like, I, I can't be her. And she kind of also is worried about how things are going to go. And he, and she says, you know, and what, what about my financial interest in this situation? I'm doing so much here. Like, you're not, you're not compensating me. And he promises you're, you're going to get your fill. Don't worry. Yeah. You're going to get your money. I was going to say, we do see later, though, that she's not there with Arthur in the Oswald um, pr- uh, speech. And Arthur's like, yeah, Ada hasn't really decided what side she's on yet. So that's the point that's like, I'm not Polly yet. I haven't decided that I'm going to be fully on your side. Um, we get a couple lines from the trailer. One of them is, is Ada saying, take a good look because one of us isn't going to be here for long. Great line. And then there's the one callback scene with Ada and Tommy when Ada's like, you know, we're here in the garrison. Like, can you believe we're back here in this fucking shithole? Like when we used to carry buckets for our dad and we yep. couldn't carry them the two of us and that's when tommy and his wit comes in at the very end and goes if you don't want to help me carry the bucket fine like i'll do it myself and that was the end of that scene it was uh it was good it, it was, it was, good it was a, they're all good scenes it was a good scene and she also makes another reference to i don't remember exactly verbatim what was said but kind of like i miss like the old you like look at you, you another one drinking, yeah. like whatever happened to you and it's like why are it's so ironic that people are getting on Tommy's case for being sober and being sharper and doing, doing a, a righteous thing. So it's, it's, it's a little odd. And I don't know if maybe later on in the season, he's going to crack and something's going to happen with that, but there's a lot of references to that. Yeah. Tommy's like, for the first time in my life, I could actually see clear and everything is normal. And like we we get, we'll get to the old Tommy dying in a minute, but Tommy goes right into this warehouse and I remember yelling at the screen. I'm like, come on, be Alfie. Just fucking be Alfie. And we hear the opera so music. Fitting. And it is because we got, you know, smoking is not allowed in the presence of Mr. Solomon's is what they say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Alfie comes out first line of season six, Josh, with an absolute banger. You know, talking about, like, I used to think opera was just fat people shouting. But yeah. now there's nothing like a tenure at full bore to, to let me feel in my feelings or something like that. It was great. Really, really great Alfie scene. We get Tom Hardy in the flesh. Tom Hardy looks a little thinner. I don't know if you noticed that, but he looks like a lot cleaner and thinner. In the well, you know, he is, know if... he is in Marvel stuff now. So, yeah. like, I'm sure I mean, Venom he, got him fit. <laughs> there's a lot of different roles where he plays a little chubby. He's extremely cut and ripped. Obviously, actors have to go through their different roles and their workout routines, but he looks a lot thinner and, and cleaner here as, I mean, his beard is more, is more trimmed and, and whatnot. So, just a little side observation of, of, of my guy Alfie, but is he is he the same Alfie as we ever saw? I mean, he he's sharp, he's quick witted, and oh, I was gonna he's, say he's go ahead. No, he's he's just great. Like he plays his role. There's comedy. He's very serious here. He's like a little frightened at times, and then he ends and asks, "How much of the time?" <laughs> yeah, and it's well. I was gonna say at first he's just a shell of himself, right? Tommy says he hasn't left in years. He doesn't help out when or like get revenge when his uncle dies, uncle Charles gets killed and 
Alfie doesn't do anything. Um, you mentioned in the flesh, we were the first half of the scene. He's kind of hiding his, his scars. And then he stands up and we see that the, the left side of his face is all scarred up. And I was wondering yep. what the, what they were going to do with that. But uh, they, they went full out with the, with the makeup and Alfie's left eye is probably unusable. Um, Tommy, did you notice this, Josh? He does the smoke thing that Michael did last episode. He does the thing that you love so much, much better, much better executed than Michael, in my opinion. Oh, Michael does I it again in a minute. I don't. I didn't need like the tongue roll by like he's like trying to seduce me. <laughs> like like I, I didn't need that for Michael. Tommy keeps it low key and normal, in my opinion. But that's, that's so we get another trailer line, and it's it's a little bit more prompted because Alfie's talking about how his life is this play, and he needs a final act. And Tommy says, Alfie, you know, I've got your final act. And that was the trailer line. But we're going to keep all of the uh, impersonations over to the Patreon. Yeah, something that Josh I need, decided. I need to rewatch the episode one more time. Really dive into this scene. Get my Alfie. It's been, it's been a while since I've done an Alfie. So if you want raw, uncut Josh Levy in the flesh doing his Alfie impersonation, subscribe to the Patreon as soon as possible. Uncut jams. Yeah, I mean, uncut, Patreon. Uncut jams. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm not Julia Fox. <laughs> there will be no Julia Fox impersonating podcast. Patreon.com slash buy order of Peaky. Just $5 and you get all of the rewatch that we did a season five. Everything backloaded. Hundreds of episodes available. And we, we understand another thing that Tommy is doing. And this is what we learned from him in the House of Representatives as well. And Tommy wants to essentially be a developer now, a real estate developer, but he wants to do it for the needy and the deserving. And I, I love this. And Tommy basically doesn't want money back from, from Tom Hardy, from Alfie. Instead, he wants the, the land and the buildings that he has that aren't being used. He's going to knock them all down, build houses, help reform. Um, we can jump, you know, we'll jump around a little bit because it kind of is in the same line. So him talking in that House of Representatives scene he wants the new bill for the housing reform. That's all we got there. And, and kind of Oswald mostly doing a little chuckle when someone next to him is like, what do you know about virtue, Tommy? And, and that's about, that, that was it from that scene. We get a little look. Well, we at also, Winston. Churchill, Churchill yeah. as well, you know, paying attention and he's looking. I, I couldn't tell, the, I mean, I was, I'm probably reading way too into it about the Oswald smirking and chuckling. There were times where he just couldn't control his laughter. I couldn't tell if it was like admiration into Tommy and like, Oh, like uh, he's just such a bullshitter. I'm, I'm admiring it, or like laughing at, like, oh, he sounds so stupid. I couldn't tell which side he was on there. I don't think it's the stupid. I think he's just like, oh, this guy's perfect. You know, like yeah. Diana's watching from above. They know they have him hook, line, and sinker. It's like, oh my goodness, we are going to get so many people on our side because Tommy Shelby is going to adhere to the less fortunate, but also the rich people that go to the swan performance that we see at the end yep. of the season. You know, like there are so many different junctures that Tommy Shelby can, can draw in. And that's what Oswald realizes, but let's, let's head over to jail right before Gina leaves Boston. She plays a little mentally conjugal visit to Michael. She's um, crazy. She is fucking awesome. She's, she's amazing. She's crazy though. She is on a mission herself just i mean anya taylor joy let's clap it up for her like, yeah she's I mean, doing that, her thing she's, she, she is <laughs> she is so she was better than she was in the first episode and i thought she was amazing in the first episode so uh really we, we need more of her like yeah we, we, these five minute scenes gotta go we need like 30 minutes of anya taylor joy and without amarama who was like the, the over actor of last season in uh in Abrahama Gold fashion and Littlefinger fashion and Aiden Gillen fashion. Gina is now the overactor of this season, but she's just doing it in such a way that it's it's entertaining. Um, I know it's not everyone's favorite. I've gotten a couple um, remarks from from different fans that say that she's she's doing a little bit too much and she's not necessarily their favorite in the season. We're enjoying it. I like that she had a key, opened up the 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 cage for a minute, and then closed it in Michael's face and to to reveal this very tight purple outfit um that does yes, not leave much geez. to the imagination and then goes on that little <laughs> goes on that little uh, imagination journey with with her husband about how every night at midnight 
and 5 a.m. in London, they are going to uh, they're going to have a little fun. And uh, yeah, she says every night, midnight in Boston, 5 a.m. in London, I'll be wide awake in my big wide bed, and you'll be wi- and you'll be wide awake in this prison cell, and our souls will come together and we'll fuck. Very direct and to the point. And Michael's like speechless. And she's like, I know you won't forget. I'm never going to forget. I don't need an alarm clock. And it's because we trust each other. And that's where you're like, another. Yep. Is she going to be faithful? And I was kind of, as I let this simmer a little bit, I, the theme of the season, there's been at least like 10 mentions of the word trust. Do you, when, when, you know, Tommy and the Nelson clan and Michael are meeting and they say, do you trust him? Oh, I trust him. Gina mentions trust. There's a lot of trust going on and it's going to be interesting to see who betrays that trust first. And it kind of, I think that's going to be the first domino to fall when that first person betrays that trust. And I mean, our prediction's still in the air. Maybe Gina betrays Michael's trust with Oswald. We don't know. That's still our kind of prediction gina is definitely crazy yeah she, I'm a she little, can do whatever go ahead go ahead i'm a little i mean faded yeah. on that now with diana just to be honest i'm like less and less that's but, fine but but we do know they're gonna sit in the same room right like we're almost 100 percent sure that tommy's right. gonna set up this meeting between jack and fdr's son and gina with oswald and diana so we're gonna find just, out a lot and i'm scene. just still remembering that gaze in that swan in that swan dancing scene, Gina and Oswald. Like that's not nothing. That's not absolutely nothing. It's gotta be something. So I'm still holding out hope for that. Okay. So then we enter a very similar vibe to the end of season five, which is a big swastika on the wall, a lot of fascism, propaganda all around. There's a massive, massive hanging silhouette and just portrait. And it's, and this is exactly what it says here. Hold on. It says, Mosley speaks with an awesome portrait of Sam Claflin in his return to Peaky. And on the bottom, it says British Union of Fascists. And Tommy gets called a traitor a few times. I loved that he was able to talk to the media and get his message across to act mm. as, quote, a bridge among ideologies. It was so well done by Shelby. Very well done. He's so smart. It's funny how he's getting quote, quoted in the papers. I, I just I just always think of his like progression as a character from season one when he's dealing with Sabini and Billy Kimber and running these, you know, backstreet, you know, he's fixing the races and now he's getting printed in 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 the papers. We're getting Johnny Dogs and Tuxedos, Lizzie's in a in an elegant gown. She was a prostitute at one point, and now she's you know at these galas. It's really crazy to see how far they've come. And it's little moments like that where Tommy's giving quotes to the media that puts it into perspective a little bit. Tommy's wearing an awesome white scarf. Um, I'll say that I just I'm watching a show called Marvelous Miss Maisel on Amazon Prime, and somebody was wearing almost the exact same outfit in like the mid '50s, and I guess it's another. 12 or so years ahead, but I would, I would definitely vibe with like a nice white scarf around like a black tuxedo. Uh, big fan, looked great. We get the man in Sam Claflin 35 minutes into episode two. Yep. He's back. He's, his he's joined. Yeah, his, I, and I didn't realize that in season five because I thought it was just part of the episode. But now I realize that Oswald Mosley has his own like theme song slash walk-up song slash like music in general to his character it's a very abrupt silhouette of like high-pitched um symphonies going on and we and if you watch season five episode six in that last 15 minutes you'll get a lot of that sound and i and i think that that's his unique to his character he's very abrupt he's very you know all over the place and he's very scary and that music is going to follow him as we go but I mean, seeing Sam Claflin, he's such a great actor. And we, and we meet this character uh, played by Amber Anderson playing Diana Mitford, who Tommy alludes to, I believe, you know, she says uh, Oswald lost his wife not too yep, long six ago. Six months ago, yep. Right. And now I believe he's with this, this other woman, and I believe she's a lady of high standing. So please send your regards to him, Lizzie. So it's yep, yep. He doesn't say her name, so we still don't technically 
aside from like our snooping, you know, the, the casual Peaky Blinders fan still is like, oh, this is just a character, right? They haven't dropped the ball of who she is in the history books. But if you've Googled Oswald Mosley, you know who he ends up marrying and you know who he ends up trying to rule the world with. Um, but not before Arthur seems to put his foot in everything, um, getting very fucked up. Not necessarily what I would assume opium does to a person. You know, it looks a little bit more like Arthur's blackout drunk, but nonetheless, he is, uh, he snuck something in in his sock, <laughs> calls Johnny Dogs a waiter, right? He says Johnny Dogs looking like a waiter. Arthur, apparently, Josh, over the last few years has been hanging out with Oswald Mosley, which is very important because in the first scene between Oswald and Arthur, pretty sure he uh, said some very mean things to Tommy's older brother in that scene in his office when Arthur broke the wooden chair in half. So it's funny to see them kind of be buddy-buddy, but a lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with making you feel accepted and your brother leaving the country if you're Arthur and you just lose your aunt, who is your, you know, role model in this world. And, and the reason why you've been kind of keeping things up and Arthur loses his wife and, oh, it's so crazy. He even says, like, Tommy's like, I know it's my fault. I'm the one that got you into opium. You said you didn't want to be in, which is something we talked about a lot last right. season. Arthur seems yeah, to be right says, a lot. He, he said no in, in the meeting to the opium trade. And look how ironic Tommy, once again, is feeding the beast a little bit you yeah. know, to Arthur's demise. It's really Paul, sad to watch him in this way. Devastating. But Paul Anderson's so good in this one subtle line where Tommy's like, it's my fault. I shouldn't have left you. I did all this to you. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, where have you been, Tommy? You know, like a little kid being like, yeah, dad, like, where, where have you been? And that, that was just, it really hit me in an emotional note. And Tommy's like, listen, dude, we cannot, we cannot pick a side. We've got to switch between the light and the shade. I love that line. And then Arthur's like, you could stand still if you want. I'm going to beat up some fucking Nazis. And then we see the brothers get back to business. The Bash brothers. That was awesome. That was awesome. Tommy gets in the, gets in the mix a little bit just beating them down. They obviously, you know, raised triumphant in that, in that little brawl. That was like, I think the purpose of that was to just let, let the audience and remind the audience that let them know that they're still you know, Birmingham boys. I right. Think. Exactly. They're still Birmingham boys. There's still this backstreet razor gang that I keep on saying over and over again, there's still a peaky fucking and blinders, you know, and Arthur's still a peaky fucking and blinder. Even if he's up to junk and he's on, he's on heroin, he's still going to, he's still going to handle his biz. So that was a nice little, you know, refresher there and before they go back upstairs unfortunately this is the one badly acted um like part of the entire episode and it was just it just didn't need to be there in my opinion they could have cut this out lizzie comes downstairs and is like tommy like we need to go upstairs and i'm like that was weird it just it felt very disconnected it was not the best acted scene it was not the best edited scene it's like johnny dogs is down there and it's like we could have just cut to them upstairs already, you know, like it didn't, it yeah, didn't need to uh, be Well, there. I think also the point of that was like, Arthur is like, is like, you know, listening to Oswald, he's wearing a fascist shirt and. and no, I'm talking about after they black. beat up the, after he changes. Got it. With got Johnny it. Yeah. Dogs. It was, it was, it was a little bit, they honestly could have just cut that and then jumped. I mean, I don't know if, was the scene with Diana and it Lizzie goes right into, well, first it goes right into Tommy upstairs telling Lizzie that she has, he has to be like, he's like, Lizzie, you look beautiful tonight. I have to, I have to tell this woman that she looks beautiful too. And then right. the meeting comes. So don't get jealous. Yeah. I mean, and we can kind of jump right into that meeting and we meet Amber Anderson slash, I mean, playing Diana Mitford for the first time. I think something we're also leaving out is that uh, I think it was before when, you know, Amber, when uh, Diana Mitford and Oswald Mosley are kind of embracing each other and Oswald says a long and terrible journey. Don't let me fucking down Diana. And, and, and we get that, that Oswald, that sharp-witted, yeah. abrupt character that we had missed, you know, all this time. And we can pivot into, pivot into a villain so fast. Um, right. Diana has a great line. She says, you know, I'm going to be his last ever mistress, pretty much. You know, like, we're going right. to get married. That was awesome. And, and Tommy's like, well, I heard you prefer Berlin. And she's like, yep, that's yes. where the marriage will be. But I saw something that I'm curious if our audience caught on to. And I know that... Josh and I ha might have a different opinions in this, which is always makes for the best podcasting because right when Tommy first saw Amber Anderson's character, Diana Mitford, there was a moment and there was a light usage from Anthony Byrne. And there was a pause that I had only seen once before. And it's when Tommy first saw Tatiana 
of season three. I think her last name was like Romanoff or something. Mm-hmm. When he first sees her and I'm like, oh boy, Tommy's in James Bond mode again, where he is like, he's definitely, he's definitely feeling something and he's going to use that feeling and he's going to use his suave style to try to get a little bit more than maybe just uh, some information from Diana Mitford. I'm just going to put it out there right now. Like they are going to have sex this season. Boom. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I think that that's maybe stretch could be right. He does have that look. I just don't know if that's like a look of like, Oh, she's a strong, powerful woman who, I mean, he's heard of her. He said he, he heard that she's a lady of high standing. Maybe he's looking at her like, oh, she looks like she's a powerful woman. I don't know. We'll see. That would be a pretty good call. And Tommy, it wouldn't be, you know, out of the ordinary for Tommy to, you know, you know, steep, you know, go outside the marriage and take someone else's, you know, love interest. Pretty bold for him to take Oswald's love interest. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, like in low in, revenge in reality. Yeah. In reality, we know that I th- I'm pretty sure Oswald and Diana Mitford uh, are together, you know, throughout their days, but who knows if we, if we break that, that, that uh, reality and kind of make it fiction, but that would be something he does look at her with, with a longing look. And of course, Tommy kind of is like, Hey Oswald, let's go talk business. And, and Mosley's like, Oh, what is, you know, this funny, Hey, you've been living in the wrong century here, Bob. Like, this is my, she can talk business too. And that's where Diana starts to flex a little bit. And I yeah. would just, I would much, much be happy. <laughs> be very content if we get more Amber Anderson lines. Cause she is very good. And she displays them. She's like, I don't really like Lizzie. Let's go with Elizabeth. And can I call you Thomas? And, and then one little dig, Josh, right before they go to talk in private, when she goes, to Lizzie and says, Oswald's told me everything about you. And that's when Lizzie kind of stores it in the back of her mind and hits her back because she's like, okay, well, since you already know that I slept with your husband, I might as well make it a power move. But first they talk a little business, Josh. And that's when they offer Tommy some water, some alcohol. And Tommy says, nope, I, I don't drink anymore. And, that, and Diana compares him to a, a little Mr. Adolf there, doesn't she? Yeah, and she says, Oh, our friend in Berlin doesn't drink. She she goes, I imagine that you two have much in common, which I found disturbing. Yeah, obviously she certainly foretelling Adolf, right? You know, mentioning Adolf Hitler, which I'm sure we're gonna get later in the season. Maybe we don't ever get him, and we just get mentions of him. Yeah, because it's very it's very odd and very weird to have an actor play Adolf Hitler. I'm sure that you get a lot of actors who are very hesitant to play that. It's a very character you don't want to go down the path. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's been done. References. Yeah, it's right. been no, done. For sure, for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. You know, it, we'll see. It's just one of those things yeah. where it's like I'm not expecting one or the other. Um, and then Amber kind of gets into like the 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 meat of the conversation, and and Tommy brings up you know Jack Nelson and all of that, and and Amber says like to to Lizzie, do you even know like why FDR is important in all of this? And Lizzie, to her testament, like. It's, I thought it was good that she was honest. I thought they were going to come back and explain things to her. But instead, Lizzie starts to get that self-conscious, you know, out of the loop feeling and is like, I have fucked your future husband. So I know a little bit about him. And it's like, I just wrote a holy cow. Yeah, I mean, Lizzie drops the bomb again. She's confident, as we said. She, I, I was waiting for her to say something. Obviously, Diana Mitford does not care whatsoever. And that was just a great mic drop by Lizzie. There's nothing else really to say about it. The three of them talk a little bit just about like the details and and we'll kind of get on that as the season goes on, I'm sure. Um, And the last thing Oswald says to Tommy is, you know, you've got to do something about your wife. And uh, and then we get Anna Calvi again. And uh, there ain't no grave to hold my body down. And this is what I mean. It's so well flowing and it goes right into Tommy. Yes. Yes. It's almost like way he's doing more it. than season five, right? Like, oh, I mean, it's not even close. Season five, but it's so in sync to a perfect fine tooth. I love it. I'm so excited for, them. for this song. This song is going to keep on coming out this season, obviously. Yeah. I just don't think, I think you've got to go back to season two, the last time that things were this well flowing. Obviously, season three yeah. was, was, was well done where they all kind of kept the same storyline so they didn't have to jump around too much. They weren't going to different countries like they are now or last season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that this is taking place in St. Paul's, which is like the most gorgeous building I've ever been in my whole life, which is a, you know, a cathedral in London, not a hundred percent sure um, where the meeting between Jack and Tommy is, but we get introduced. And this is another ode in my opinion to season two, episode two, where we get like two of the most important character introductions with Michael in the beginning of the episode and Alfie towards the end. And now of course we get Amber Anderson introduced and we get James Freshville of uh, the movie Animal Kingdom. He's been in a couple other things if you want to look him up and ooh, a great Boston accent from this Australian. Very, very well done. Not easy to do. Pak the cod, have it yad, as everyone likes to say, you know, that's, that's the famous line if you want to do a Boston accent. Um, but he gives me, Jack Nelson gives me Luca Changreta vibes a little bit yeah. because they obviously play, you know, these, these thick accented American. I mean, obviously Luca's Italian, but he's living in America, but these very thick accents and they just, they just, they give me the same vibe. They're very confident. They're quick witted. They're dangerous. They're not scared of anything. And that's just the kind of thing that I think that is going to be interesting to see going forward, the similarities between Jack Nelson and Luca Changreta. But a great scene. We get a lot of insight into the Nelson plot. I was really worried as the episode was going that we weren't going to see Jack Nelson in this episode. And I was like, where is he? We're going to be two episodes in and we have this huge plot development of this Nelson family in the South Boston gang. And we haven't even seen their leader. So very well done to stick him in at the end in that cathedral you know we get some really good you know quotes and one-liners he asked tommy you know who was the first man you killed and he tells him a, a a prussian boy with green eyes and then the last man that you killed and he goes four years ago his name was tommy shelby Bam. he drank whiskey amazing just Bam. so the script i would love to just read this script from start to finish and just pick out quotes tommy shelby once again mentioning himself four years ago, how he drank and how that he's a different man and he's changed, just like he told Captain Swing, Laura McKee in, uh, in, in the beginning of the episode. So just something that I picked up in, in, in that, uh, it seems as Jack Nelson has a respect for Tommy, but also isn't just going to give in to anything that he says, like a lot of other people have been throughout this season. So the other thing I wrote down here, and you mentioned respect, and it's early on, you can see that, that Tommy Shelby is, is a good bit shorter than Jack Nelson. They make in a yes. point of emphasis. And Jack says like, were you made fun of as a kid? You know, were you picked on for being short? And Tommy's like, I was early on, but then I got a knife and I stood up for myself and nobody picked on me anymore. And you could almost see like the way that Tommy walks next to a, a uh, how do I say it? Jack Nelson's back is straight. You know, like he has good posture. He's walking yes. very proudly and highly. And the way Tommy walks is has his shoulders down and he's trudging through the, the hallway. And, it, right, there's, and there's a big juxtaposition. And that's where I kind of say he's like Luca. Like yeah. Luca was, was, was tall. I mean, Adrian Brody's Bravado. a very tall. Yeah, very, a very confident, back straight. Kind of like, you know, when like Luca has his hat and he like takes his hat off and he like kind of curls his neck. Oh, and he, I, and he I think I want to, I got to rewatch a little bit more season four right? now. Cause he's I, like, I love Luca. No, it is amazing. And that's what Jack Nelson, you know, reminds me of James Freshfield does a phenomenal job of playing that American, you know, that, that South Boston kind of gang leader, you know, that, that we see in a lot of the movies, you know, you mentioned in, in, in your, in your instant reaction with Angie, you know, the, the Johnny Depp uh, character where he was right. playing, um, what's his name? Willie Willie Loman is that that was his name? I, I I'm no, pretty sure. I don't think so. Um, go ahead though. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Yeah. So it, it just reminds me a lot of that. Um, I'm I'm going through like my texts with you, just kind of just just to to refresh my my reaction. Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger. I don't know. Why I said was it Willie Loman from Death of a Salesman? <laughs> I, don't I don't even know what the hell I'm saying. Just please. I'm sorry. Everyone. Okay, we're I'm almost really at the hour mark. Let's keep on chugging. <laughs> but um. I, I said, you know, when he's talking with, with Jack Nelson and going through his plan, you know, with the whole fascist part, you know, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help the fascists. I'm going to help push, push this message. I, I told you, Tommy has so many offers out on the table right now. He does. And it's like, I'm, I'm really, I'm really nervous. This, this plan is more convoluted than any plan he's ever had. There are so many cogs to the machine that if one minor thing goes wrong, 
he's done for, man. He's really done for. And this Jack Nelson character is a scary dude. He's a scary effing dude. And I and, and Oswald Mose is a scary effing dude. Yeah. And it's never been where he has like seven different people that he has to align with here. And I, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but he's got a lot of floaters out there. And let's see how it turns out for him. I'm loving it. You know, essentially we get that like, you know, age old conversation of like, well, opium kills people, but alcohol kills people. And they kind of go back and forth because Jack Nelson's saying like, are you sure that I, I don't know if I want to get in this business with you, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, you know, I do kind of want to meet people. And Tommy's like, yeah, you want to meet the people that I have the connections with. I can help you out. They go back and forth for a little bit. It, I mean, listen, it's a TV show. We're pretty sure that Jack Nelson's going to say yes to this, to this, you know, proposal. And then they're going to move forward with that. So we don't have to dive too deep into it. But the big bomb comes at the end, which I did not see coming, where Tommy basically reveals his cards with Winston Churchill yes. and says, I can spy on him for you. And that's when my radar went off. Like, it's a spy show. It's a spy show. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And, and that was interesting that he's just like revealing yeah. that he's going to undercut Churchill. Obviously, you know, he's just kind of put throwing out feelers and, a lot of the time, I don't know if you realize this, but Tommy Shelby says things just to judge the other character's oh, reactions. Yeah. Always playing poker. He, oh, like, like if their eyes perk up a little bit, and he's like, oh, that's where I can get him. That's yeah. his weakness. You know, like this is where I, where, where I really have a stronghold on him. So that was very interesting. You know, Tommy really showing all of his cards, as, as I said, and it's, it's making me nervous. I don't know. Oh, so that conversation does kind of go back to the to the Ruby thing, which we've talked about, the House of Representatives, goes back and forth with Tommy's speech and trying to get the, the new reform bill and then his fight with himself and his demons while Ruby is dealing with her demons and they're going back and forth and they, it's intertwined pretty nicely. It's the only scene in the show that isn't just a straight through scene, which... I like both, but like, I'm happy that it's not, you know, all of last season was like these, like one minute of this, one minute of that, back to this, back to that here. It's just the final scene of Ruby and Tommy. And they're both kind of dealing with their own shit. And, and that's when Ruby's like, you know, the gray man's coming after my daddy too. And then he calls for Esme, Josh. And then what happens? And then we finally get Nick cave and everybody get happy. red, right hand at the end of the show. But we get, you know, he calls Esme Shelby Lee. And so Esme, we figure out now that Esme's point in this season is to work her gypsy magic and save Ruby. And we she's not gonna come in like with flowers and glee though. No, 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 no. She's gonna do her thing. She's gonna be brummy, she's gonna be rough, the same old classic Esme that we that we uh, grew grew to love. And you know, we're probably gonna get some John Shelby mentions, which is which is always great. And uh Okay, hold on. I want to say two things. He mentions, remember that number that I've had for her, which means he's been keeping tabs on her. Tommy has. Right, right. The other thing I wonder, is, I wonder why just as like a- Just oh, family. You know, doing right by John and it's family, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a lot yeah. of nieces and nephews of his. Speaking of, there's, I mean, we haven't met Conrad Kahn's character yet. We've seen pictures and we know that he's going to be that style of outfits. Mm-hmm. We still haven't met, like, like he's got to be John's kid. I don't For think sure. there's another option. Probably, probably. And, I would, I, I and we also don't know who Stephen Graham's character is. And so we're going to have a lot of conversation later in this week in our winners and losers episode. We're going to have some predictions. That's when we're going to dive deeper into who we think Stephen Graham's character is going to be. Maybe where Finn and Isaiah are. There's a lot of overhanging things that they haven't even entered into the conversation yet. One prediction I got right, though, and, you know, we're talking about these a little bit. Michael's still in jail. I think he's going to be in yeah. jail for a couple episodes, and I'm very happy with that call. I mean, I, I still think it's a waste. It's not – obviously, I don't get to pick from a menu. That's my famous saying. But it is what it is, and that was a good call by you, and it's kind of like a realistic thing. You know, Mike, yeah. like Michael put it – I mean, Tommy put him in jail. It would have been a little, like, unrealistic, especially with this time and how communication is. And, how and they weren't really, get, like, right. in America, right? Weren't they in, like – Canada, French waters. Yeah, so they were like not yeah, in American jail. Very odd location. So it's uh, it's definitely more. It's like kind of like I mean, there's a WNBA player right now detained in Russia. She's gonna yeah, Brittany Griner. Not that easy where you're not in America to just get yourself out of jail and just get bailed out. So that's something to pay attention to. But I mean, we can wrap this episode up with discussing 
how refreshing it was to hear Red Right Hand. It was great. It was just great. It was it awesome. just made me so happy. It was it was great. I just like I, I just love the it just, it just reminds me of early Peaky, man. It just really reminds me of it. And getting the Esme call, she's gonna come back like very mad at Tommy, right? You know it. Like it's gonna be one of those things oh. where it's like, I'm only doing this because it's a family member and she's dealing with you know Romany issues. Um and I guess while I think about it, you know, I know you guys maybe will reach out about it or not. Maybe Michael is in an American prison. Like maybe Tommy called an American agent and then right when he crossed over, they arrested him. So that's yeah, just, just to put a rest to that, maybe just because the ease of which Gina is able to come visit him and all of that. But regardless, Red Right Hand was great. The episode was great. It reminded me so much of season two, episode two, in just the way that it set the tone. And now we have all of our balls in motion Still no Emmett J. Scanlon. Still no Finn. In, uh, in, in, you know, in a way where we know that Finn is going to be in the season, right? We've seen pictures. Well, we also know Emmett J. Scanlon is going to be in the season as right. well because he mentioned on our our episode with him is I mean, he's he's, he's he's in the season. So, but Harry Curtin, Harry Curtin's posted like pictures of like just finished recording, just finished filming. So like we know Finn's in it too. So there's I love the two episodes in, and there's still so much to divulge. Oh, I mean, I can't wait. We're going to, I mean, the last, I mean, is, is it confirmed that the last episodes are like over an hour? I think the last episode's going to be They said that the final half. episode will be a, hour and a half film length. Yeah. So oh, that's God. probably about 80 to, 80 to 100 minutes, which is I'm awesome. I'm so pumped. Episodes one and two, set up episodes, amazing episodes. If they were in season five, they would have been the best episodes of the season by far. And for them to be set up episodes, just imagine how episodes three and three through six are going to go. I texted you. I said, this episodes three through six are set up to be the best episodes of Peaky Blinders history. And I'm, I'm just so pumped, so pumped to break it down. It was really fun getting on here, you know, doing our instant reactions to this episode. And I can't wait to let it simmer a little bit more and kind of dive into these scenes and these quotes and, and, and the, the significance of what's going to happen later on the season as we, uh, as the week goes on. And I love that now there are a couple other options for Peaky Blinders podcast. So we really yeah. thank you for joining us and listening to us and supporting us. And whether you're a Patreon member or you're doing the VPN and stuff and you're sending the links to a friend, we really appreciate it. We're going to wrap things up here. Just about an hour. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. And we binge so you don't have to.